other day, I was talking with a couple of friends of mine, and I was like, you know, how is it living in Baltimore County? You know, I used to live out in Randallstown back in the day. Has it changed any? And they were like, yeah, we like, we like it out here, but we like living in the city. But I was like, you know what? I want to maybe go back to the county, live out there. I mean, I was a county boy growing up. So I said, well, who better than to get the Baltimore County executive here? And let's talk about Baltimore County. The next voice you hear is the county executive of Baltimore County. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., Delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today we have an amazing show for you. I'm so excited, so excited to have the Baltimore County Executive, Johnny Oshesky. So pumped to have him here. What's going on? Aaron, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here, man. Gotta get those friends out to back out to Randallstown and the rest of Baltimore County. Oh, uh, you know, I grew up in uh, over by Milford Mill Swim Club mm-hmm. um, off Washington Avenue, and that's where I grew up when I was younger. And then we moved away. But I remember those days living in Baltimore County, and it was like, are you living in the county? You're a county kid, you know? <laughs> but now I live in the city. But I'm happy to bring you in here. Yeah. And let's talk about what's going on in Baltimore County, what exciting things are happening. And, you know, it's election year, so... Got to bring you on. Got to talk. And it's a pleasure to have you on. Shout out to Miss Abby, who made it happen for us. She really came through. I've been, I've, I've been working with her, trying to get with her since December. Actually, yeah, December to get you on the show. Well, Abby, Abby's the one who makes the magic happen. She made so. it happen. So shout out to Miss Abby out there. <laughs> shout out to her. So we're here live and direct. Tell people a little bit about you. Because mm-hmm. I like to get about people learn about a little bit about you before we get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, you're originally from where in Baltimore County? So I was born and bred in eastern Baltimore County, um, in the Dundalk, Sparrows Point communities. And, you know, so a Baltimore boy through and through, believe in this region. We can talk about that uh, later, too. But I uh, grew up on the east side of the county, and I, I sort of remind folks that, you know, the, the sort of fondest memory I have growing up is this, uh, the blast furnace at the Sparrows Point steel mill, the Bethlehem steel mill, and what that meant um, for, for jobs and opportunities and, and people were able to pursue their version of the American dream, not just in Eastern Baltimore County, but for the entire region. And, uh, I was lucky enough to be, 
uh, the first in my family to go to college. I was a public school kid. I played uh, rec sports growing up. And uh, I, as I was having opportunities after opportunity handed to me, I, I saw a neighborhood in decline as that, that uh, strong industrial legacy faded away. So as that was happening, I uh, went through public school, was the first in my family to go to college, uh, undergrad at Goucher, master's at George Washington, a PhD with Dr. Hrabowski over at UMBC, all exceptional experiences. I uh, moved back home because I wanted to be part of reshaping that transformation. And so I came back home knowing that education was what transformed my life and gave me all the opportunities and became a public school teacher uh, in eastern Baltimore County in the county school system. And then shortly thereafter, uh, actually ran for the House of Delegates and said, I, I want to take all this work that I'm doing in the classroom with these kids and, and those connections and, and that transformation to scale and, and fight so that all kids had a teacher who was invested in them and that all kids had a classroom that affirmed their dignity and worth. And so um, between that and, and the environmental legacies and, and living on the Bay, wanting to affirm that and the economic and workforce redevelopment of Sparrows Point, Ran for office, was lucky enough to serve for eight years in the Maryland House. Um, took a tough loss a few years later um, in the Maryland Senate, and then was lucky enough to be elected county executive, wrapping up my first term. I have uh, a, a smart, uh, amazing, talented wife, Marissa. She works for the Maryland League of Conservation Voters. Um, my daughter is a curious, funny six-year-old going on 16. And we have a 16-year-old uh, chow border collie dog who has the energy of a puppy. We, uh, we currently live on the east side still, over in Miller's Island. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sports lover. I'm an outdoors lover. And uh, I love politics because of the way it can make a difference in people's lives. So, I mean, I know you might have mentioned this earlier, but what childhood memory sticks out to you the most? What like if I if you could, if you can sit back and you can smile and tell that story over and over again <laughs> to family, friends, even your own kids? Yeah. Which, which childhood memory sticks out? Because for me, it was going to Memorial Stadium mm. and seeing Eddie Murray mm -hmm. and everybody Eddie, Eddie. That was just a scene to behold at Memorial Stadium. I remember getting peanuts down at mm. um, was it uh, Lexington Market? I get the peanut guy and I would come out with my dad. And we would park next to the uh, Cloverland uh, and then we'll walk up to the stadium. What about you? That's awesome. Well, my stadium experience was um, at the old Memorial Stadium when the, the Dolphins and the Saints wow. played the exhibition game when we were trying to get the franchise expansion in Baltimore. My dad took me. That was magical sort of father-son bonding experience. Um, but the, the, the experience and the memory that we talk about most as a family, and this, this gets to the power of a strong teacher in your life, and it was Miss Ruth Long. It was fifth grade, and she said, I'm going to have these kids put on a play. And we had this play, it was called Surf and Santa, and I was cast as Santa. And th the premise of this play, it's amazing you remember it all these years later, is that Santa was tired and he wanted to go on a vacation. And so against the advice of Mrs. Uh, Claus and the elves and everybody else, he, he hightails it to a tropical beach and everything goes awry as a result uh, of him leaving. But uh, I, you know, I still know some of the songs and uh, my parents will pull out some of the pictures, but it just, it really, um, it bonded us in a way to our teacher and to each other. And for me and for my many peers, it sort of just further affirmed that like we can, we can take on these hard challenges together and, and achieve it. And it was just, 
It was really great. It was a special experience growing hey, up. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. Really appreciate that. I, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told that story before. Hey, so we got an exclusive here. Exclusive, folks. Exclusive. So were you ever in model unit model unit nations growing like in high school? <laughs> was there something like politics that was that in your blood? Because I mean, I remember I tried model UN and I was like, this this is tough. Is, <laughs> like you gotta know your history facts. You didn't know everything about everything. Were you a part of that? The debate team? Because I always wonder, <clears> like when people get in politics. They've already had that. They were they were built already for that. What about yourself? So I would say that politics is literally in my blood. Uh, I, I grew up in a political family. Uh, my father wasn't political growing up himself, uh, but through uh, being a coach on our, our Little League rec teams and being involved in the local Democratic Club, he came to understand how important local politics were and state politics. And so he went from a guy who had no uh, interaction whatsoever to running. He was actually a county councilman for 16 years in Baltimore County. And I got to see uh, up close and personal what, what that, how that worked well. And in some cases, how there were opportunities to, to even do it, do it better and serve residents. And so I just, I thank him for instilling in me and my, my two younger brothers um, a love for public service. So I, I ended up running for office and becoming a teacher my middle brother um, works in code enforcement uh, for the county. And my youngest brother is a police officer in Baltimore County. And they were, they were all working for the county before I was elected, before anyone uh, uh, cast any aspersions. But, uh, but public service runs through our, our veins. Um, you know, I had a chance coming up and going through to sort of, um, I think I was, I was naturally gravitated to that before my father ran. I was 16 when he first ran for the council. Uh, so I was heavily involved in student government through middle school and high school into college. Um, I served as the student member on the Board of Education for Baltimore County. And between that and seeing him uh, on the campaign trail and knocking doors with him and then seeing him serve, it's one of those things where I think, you know, it either goes to one extreme or the other. You either see it and you love it and it's for you. Or for my two other brothers, they're like, mm -mm, no, no, sir, I don't want anything to do with that politics stuff. Now, they're, they're helpful and they're supportive when he ran and when I ran, but they, they have no aspirations. But it's one of those things that uh, it, it really it really is transformative, and uh, you know we, just just today um, to see the young people at Scotch Branch Elementary School when we told them this morning that they're getting a new school, mm. um, it 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 literally brought some tears to, to to the eyes in the room, and I I choked up myself, and it's just like because you you can look at those young people and say you're worthy of this, um, and I'm I, I'm gonna help deliver that for you. It, it's a special feeling. Wow. And, you know, being a teacher, you were a teacher for how many years were you teaching for? I was in the system for seven years, five years as a social studies and special ed teacher, <clears throat> and then two years as a resource teacher serving the entire county. What do you miss about being a teacher? Like, what is I mean, I know people, because I, I had uh, a Codetta Bakery on, mm. and she, uh, uh, Myra, Myra, and she said she misses the kids. Mm -hmm. What about you? What do you miss about teaching? Oh, it's, it's the kids. Um, and, and I, I had a very special bond with the people with whom I, I taught at Patapsco high school. It was a, those were special people who, who cared about their kids. Um, I miss not only the day-to-day -day interactions with the kids and just how they're smart and witty and brought their hopes and their fears and their aspirations to the classroom. Um, but you know, several years later, seeing how a teacher made a difference in a kid's life. So there was a, uh, I had a student come up to me maybe two years ago at a, at a restaurant and he wanted to buy me a beer and I was like, well, you don't have to do that, but sure. <laughs> and, uh, he, he just said, Mr. O, you know, like I wasn't the best kid, 
Um, I was, I was a little difficult for you, but you always checked in on me. You always pushed me, you always encouraged me. And I just want you to know how much that meant to me. And he said, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure where my life was going to go, but you know, you and others really helped. And, uh, I want you to know that, uh, I'm, I'm married now. I have a kid on the way mm-hmm. and I joined uh, a, a union and I'm making really good money and I'm taking care of myself and I'm proud of the work that I'm doing. And I just want to thank you for what you did for me. Um, that's what you miss. And I didn't even realize it because I, I had planted the seed and I hadn't even seen it. You know, you have to give that time to, to grow sometimes. And I was already out of the classroom at that point. But those are the special connections that um, if you're a teacher, you, you get it. Um, and that's what keeps people in the classroom for 30 years. Folks, on that note, we'll be right back after these messages. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. Folks, we are back with County Baltimore County Executive Johnny Wyszewski. Thank you so much for coming to Baltimore City. Absolutely, I, I love Baltimore City. Hey, we got you here, man. I we, was just down the street at Coco's uh, the other other day having uh, crab cakes with the mayor. I saw that. I saw that. I had to pay my debt. Uh, I, I lost that. the bet when Dundalk <laughs> lost to uh, football, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Coco's. I, I know I mean, you can't say, but I mean, it's my favorite spot in everywhere. In it, it's. I always put it in the recommendations whenever. Someone asked to go, but I always have to put Pappas in there and Costas, and we've got some great Baltimore County restaurants, too. We'll talk about it. We'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into a little bit of that later on. So tell me, why did you decide to run for Baltimore County Executive? Why did you want to do that? You know, you mm-hmm. you have been successful in every place you've gone. You want the big gig. Why did you want that? Why did you want the big show, I call it? Uh, the big show is the biggest platform to, to drive change, and... For me, it was uh, shortly after I became a father. So I mentioned I've got a six-year-old daughter. And uh, I, I just sort of started seeing the world through her eyes mm-hmm. and started asking the question of what kind of a community and county and region uh, is she growing up in? And while Baltimore County is a very good county and I, I, I love it, I realized that we just weren't uh, we weren't realizing our fullest potential. And so I sort of started by listening and I spent a couple years doing this organization called better Baltimore County, where that was the premise is that this is a good County, but we can and should aspire to be better. And I spent years just talking to civic leaders and chambers of commerce and nonprofits and going to fairs and festivals and telling other people's stories and listening to their stories, just like you do. Right. And it really solidified in me that 
I thought that there was an opportunity and a need and that I was the right person uh, to fill that need. And we made some pretty big promises about what we sought to do. And I have to say, if you look back on the record, um, these past three and a half years, we've, we've delivered. Um, and we've let's, done that. Let's, we've let's done on, that even in the middle of a pandemic. Let's go into them. Let's, yeah. let's go, let's go into, where are some of the big things that you've accomplished? Um, like Baltimore that. County is more open, accessible, and transparent than ever before. Okay. Uh, we now, the, the two years prior to my election, there were two people who testified on the county's four plus billion dollar budget in the two years prior. Since taking office, we've started a town hall series where hundreds of people uh, attend, dozens of people testify in all seven council districts. Uh, we have put uh, transparency and accountability at the top of the list. We have the county's first ever inspector general. We have this uh, um, budget program where you can go look down to the check how our dollars are being spent. Uh, we've created an office of community engagement where all seven council districts have a de dedicated liaison to work with them. We created BC Stat, which is a data-driven team that measures our progress and posts that information. We've passed uh, legislation on everything from police reform. We were the first jurisdiction in the region to pass police reform in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Uh, we passed gun reform legislation to require that gun shops have sensible protections to secure their weapons. We've passed uh, legislation to ban discrimination on, on source of income. We passed legislation to allow live music in Baltimore County. Uh, we've we've um, we've invested tremendously in schools, uh, both on the operating side and the capital side. We talked about school on, on the on the first half, but just record funding every year uh, for our teachers, for our support personnel, teachers, counselors, pupil personnel workers. Uh, just this year alone, our budget is about forty million dollars above what's mandated by the state in terms of maintenance of effort. Uh, and that's just on the operating side. On, on top of that, we've put forward hundreds of millions of dollars so that every single school in Baltimore County is air conditioned now. Mm. We've put forward a multi-billion dollar plan over the next 15 years to ensure that there are no more trailers in Baltimore County within the decade, mm. that we're investing in CTE and that every single school um, has significant investment over those 15 years. So we're, we're rooted in equity. We're thinking about things like... Um, uh, sustainability. We're, we're rooting sustainability and equity and diversity in all of our decision-making. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm so proud. We could spend an hour talking about all of our accomplishments. Um, but, but really if, if, if there's one takeaway, I hope it's that people feel like they actually have a voice in their government again. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, we respond to every email that comes in or we are engaging in, in real time with, with individuals at these town halls, um, I, I'm just really proud of how we've transformed and, and turned county government from outside in to inside out. And it's all about inviting the communities into the dialogue, into the conversation. And uh, it's made a big difference. What did, you, what did you learn about yourself during the whole COVID process? I mean, everybody is like COVID. COVID happened and it was a pivot like mm -hmm. every which way. Yeah. I mean, the way we... Part way, just part of life, just in general. Like, I mean, what are your thoughts on COVID? Just it really stretched me as a leader, as a as a person. Right. Um, some of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life because you're you're weighing um, health and safety, and you're you know in the early days I was actually calling every single family mm. that lost a loved one to COVID. Mm. The the losses then became so overwhelming that it was impossible to keep up with. And then you measure that against the businesses who are like, what, how am I gonna provide for my employees and my families? You measure that against the, the public health impact. Um, 
but I, I learned that like we have a strong, resilient team and everyone from rec and parks to the health department, to the fire department. I mean, everyone, it was all hands on deck and people wanted to serve. And I think that's why we have been one of the most vaccinated counties in the state and one of the most vaccinated states in the country. I think it's why we've been so successful pushing out those grants to, to businesses and individuals. Um, you know, but this pandemic has laid bare a lot of the inequities that have been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about <clears throat> recovery or getting back on track, for me, it's like we, we can't just get back to business as usual, right? We have to aspire to where we should have always been, not to where we were before. And I think that's an imperative for all leaders. If we didn't learn that lesson from this pandemic, then shame on us. And so as we think about recovery, whether it's the American recovery funding coming from Congress or our local dollars, uh, being intentional about uh, an equitable recovery so that everyone has the opportunity to thrive in the years ahead. I brought that up because I wanted to give you kudos and, you know, every, like, as people, young people say, your flowers, props. <laughs> and because you, you, I remember my parents live in Baltimore County and they were like, hey, you might want to sneak out here because they just opened up the Sears or something else like at White Marsh and they have taxi center over here, taxi center over here. And you had taxi centers everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that was so important. And I remember seeing that like, wow, they're on top of it. They're on top of their game. They're making sure things are getting done. People are getting tested because we really didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what's going on. I remember that day when <clears throat> the world pretty much stopped and, and, and literally two years living at home, you know, working from home. And I remember you guys are doing it right. Even with the school kids, everybody had a computer, kids working from school. I mean, I mean, how many, I mean, think about kids working from school home. Mm -hmm. Never, nobody ever in a million years would thought that would ever happen. And Baltimore County was prepared for that. And I just want to give you kudos for you guys. Thank you. You know, making sure things were done correctly in the right way. And, you know, we all had our hiccups and trips, but I remember just watching what you guys were doing. And it was kind of like Baltimore City was kind of mirroring what you guys were doing, kind of just we're going back and forth. Because we're basically brother, sister, right? That's well, and that's just it, right? And that's, A, a testament to Dr. Branch and the amazing team, the health teams that we had to, mm -hmm. to stand up those systems. But... As Dr. Branch would tell you, like, come on in, right? Like, I don't care if you're from Baltimore City, Hartford County, right. Anne Arundel County. We want to get people vaccinated. And so we knew that that was the best way forward to get beyond this. Um, and so whether it was testing or vaccinations, we didn't we didn't check a, a passport to come across. And, and we just wanted to serve people. And that's, that's what public service is all about, is how do we actually get through this? And we got through it so far together. And I think that is the same mentality we have to have sort of advancing into recovery, right? right? We have to come through this together and recognize that at the end of the day, we all want good schools for our kids. We all want safe streets. We all want uh, a clean environment. And so we're, 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 you know, the pandemic proved we can, we can get through that together. We can make those things happen together. So what's the common misconception thing people think of what the county executive does? What's the, because, you know, I know a lot of people think they can just call, yeah. hey, I need my, they didn't pick up the trash today or something happened or like something like, I mean, what's the misconception that a lot of people might have, you think that you, they think you might do? Or... So we want people to call if trash isn't picked up. Okay. So we, we want, we want people to know they can call us about that and we will do something about that. Um, hopefully that's infrequent, but, uh, one, actually what's interesting is one of the most common misconceptions is that people think that as County executive, I have day-to-day -day control over the operations of the school system. Okay, here we go. So we talked about the fact that like we've provided record funding to, to hire staff and build schools. But at the end of the day, the, the school board, 
uh, is an extension, the local school board, the Baltimore County School Board is an extension of the Maryland School Board. And our local superintendent uh, reports up to the state superintendent. So these, these are all, this is a state um, approved local board. And that board uh, appoints and oversees the superintendent and his administration. And collectively, the board and the superintendent have all, effectively pretty much all day-to-day operational control. So things like curriculum, things like discipline, um, those are all decisions that the Board of Education, uh, in, in collaboration and consultation and partnership with the superintendent, is making. And so a lot of times, including during the pandemic, you know, I, I would give my opinion. But at the end of the day, this is a partnership with our school system, too. And uh, whether it was uh, when to reopen or to require masks, for whom, for how long, um, those are all decisions that the school system makes. And so, um, you know, I, I actually supported legislation when I was in the House to, to allow for elected school boards so that people had more direct, you know, input as to who was representing them on the school board. Um, but ultimately, you know, we, we provide over 50% of our budget. It's over $2 billion every year to support education um, in Baltimore County. But uh, in terms of day-to-day operations, that's actually... Not something we do. So you don't appoint anybody from the school board at all? Wow, okay. Nope. That's good enough. Did not know that. <laughs> Which is, you know, and that's interesting because it, it does vary by county. Some right. counties are all appointed and they're appointed either by the, you know, in, in our county we have four appointees in addition to the seven elected and they're all by the governor. Um, other counties, you know, Prince George's County used to have the county executive would appoint the school board members. Other counties are all elected. Other counties are all appointed. So it's, it's really interesting when you try to piece it all together and, uh, you know, but it's important. It gets confusing for people like myself. There's so many different <laughs> things going on out there. So what challenges did you face in the first term that things that you like that you were like, this is this is wow, we're in some like some rough shapes or yeah. wow, this is a little bit harder to get through or figuring out what challenges would you say? So we, we talked about two of them. Okay. One one being COVID. Right. Hopefully the greatest public health crisis of our lifetimes, because I don't want to live through a Nobody more does. difficult health Nobody crisis. <laughs> um <clears throat> But it's my hope that we're moving towards a more endemic stage as vaccines are up and most people have, you know, had an infection. I've been sort of vax boosted and, so you got it. and you I got it. it. So I remember that. <clears throat> bring it on. Right. I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, but I hope that that's moving behind us and we're thinking about recovery. Um, I would say that the school construction piece has been a lot more challenging than anticipated because we're talking big dollars. We're talking billions of dollars of needs across the county. And so we've spent two years creating this multi-year improvement plan for all schools. We engage tens of thousands of residents um, through surveys and focus groups to try to build out that equitable approach. And we're getting there. And we announced uh, as part of that Scott's branch announcement today, $70 million of additional uh, resources on top of what's been invested, moving the ball further and raising the bar but it's gone slower than I wanted. And then I, I guess <clears throat> the last thing is when I in, came into office, we also inherited an 80, uh, $81 million deficit. And so, and that deficit was actually hidden on page 93 of the budget book footnote number three. Um, and I had to go, and that was basically our first town hall. It was like, surprise, you all inherited along with me, this massive deficit that was hidden. And the footnote basically said, you know, failure to raise revenue will result in significant service cuts. And they, they had projected a 10 cent property tax increase into the budget for the following year. And so we had to go to work. We had to tell the story. We listened to people. People wanted more schools. They wanted more open space. They wanted more road resurfacing. 
They wanted bulk trash pickup, which we finally brought back after 30 years. Mm. Whitney Houston was uh, topping the charts with I Will Always Love You. Last time we had bulk trash. Wow. But that's back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll it there. Um, Boom. I like that one. I like that one. But, but, you know, we were able to bring Republicans and Democrats together to say, okay, let's cut tens of millions of dollars of uh, inefficient spending. Let's find the resources to close the, the gap. And to also invest, make the investments that we need collectively together. And so um, it wasn't, you know, most, most of this has been unexpected challenges, right? When you know it's a little easier to plan for and work through. But I think it just goes back to process and relationships as to how you can really get things done. And I think whether it was COVID or school construction or uh, tackling uh, comprehensively in a, in a bipartisan fashion our, our deficit, I, I think it speaks to those things matter. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, so, you know, you, you come to the election year, and it's very exciting. What things do you want you've put out there that you want to see going forward that you're really like, all right, you're touting this, but things you can see going next four years? What things? Are- yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's incumbent on me to, to tell the story of. First of all, everybody, we, we promised we would make ourselves more transparent, and we have. We promised that we would invest more in open space and the environment, make it a priority, and we have. We promised we would uh, make schools a priority, and we have. Um, even as we've done all that, we've tackled this health crisis, and that we haven't entirely lost, we're largely actually stayed completely focused on those things, even as we've tackled COVID. Um, so not only hopefully people recognize that we've built this strong foundation, but as we look forward to say, I, I trust that you are the person who are gonna, who's going to deliver on that promises on school construction. I trust that you're the person who's going to build that equitable recovery um, and thinking about communities, especially that have been left behind in the past. And one of the things we announced, you know, it's east side, west side of the county. We, we are using some of our recovery funds to create a community development organization for Randallstown to focus specifically day in and day out about cultivating um, the business community and corridor there. We put forward $3 million to specifically wrap around the community of Essex, which has seen um, a, a higher share of uh, crime numbers, candidly, right? So how can we put wraparound services, rec, um, jobs, streetscapes to see if we can make a difference by, by making those investments? So um, I, I, I'm really proud of what we've done. I, I tell people we're just getting started. It scares my staff sometimes. Um, you know, we mentioned Abby at the top. She helped bring the BMW championship to Baltimore, which had uh, tens of thousands of people every day um, in Owings Mills. And so, you know, no challenge, but we're going to have to replicate that and top that there too. So um, I'm just so proud of the team we've assembled. It's the most diverse, talented, and capable team I've ever sort of seen out there. And so I'm just fortunate to watch them go and and do. And so I, I, if nothing else, I hope voters also recognize that reelecting me isn't just, you know, you get more of Johnny o talking to you, but you get this incredible team who's delivered uh, day in and day out for the residents of Baltimore County. Now, I, I, I would have definitely got to bring this up. What was What is Baltimore County's relationship with Baltimore City? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of listeners from Baltimore City. So yeah. they kind of want to know, is how, what's the relationship with Mayor Brandon Scott or anything that you guys are working on together mm-hmm. that's a coalition? Um, anything you can say? Mayor and I talk and text regularly. We were, we were texting and actually called him this morning. I mentioned we had, uh, Coco's the other, the other, other week. Um, look, the strength of Baltimore 
is the strength of Baltimore County and vice versa. If, if the city is strong, the county is going to be stronger. If the county is strong, the city is going to be stronger. And so I'm a firm believer in this region. Uh, there are incredible assets that residents of Baltimore County experience and enjoy, whether it's the Orioles and the Ravens or the, the art installations or any of our um, performing arts institutions. We've got some great amenities in Baltimore County from our golf courses to um, our universities and hospitals. I mean, we, we all benefit from the strength of each other. And so um, the mayor and I have already done things like uh, this. It sort of speaks to like how far we have yet to go, but that we're moving. Uh, early on, we started having our snow plows that used to go to the end of uh, a street, hit the city county line, and then turn around. Right? So, like, <laughs> it's little things like that, yeah. wow. which has changed, but it's also big things like, okay, what are we doing to, f- to share data and uh, think about economic development together? Mm-hmm. What can we do to drive <clears throat> public safety improvements together? What can we do on transportation? So like this legislation, Delegate Tony Bridges has a piece of legislation and to think about what the path forward should be for regional transportation. Because, you know, even for me, if someone's living in Woodlawn or Windsor Mill and wants to get to Trade Point Atlantic in eastern Baltimore County, where there are now thousands and thousands and thousands of good jobs, there's a city in between. And right. so like for opportunity both for my residents and also for uh, the city. I mean, and, and that and that that installation over a trade point, it needs qualified workers to thrive. And so in some way we have to remember that we really are uh, dependent on and impacted by each other. And that's something that we try to embody in how we, we govern. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate you coming to Baltimore city, hanging out with us a little bit. Um, you know, Northeast Baltimore, my home, you know, yeah. this is where I hang out and I'm gonna do a little quick speed around. This is always the fun part. This is the fun <laughs> part. We already did all the hard part, but um, it's a fun part of the show. I always do. So, crabs or crab cakes? Crabs. I like that. Yeah, you like to get your hands dirty. Yeah, right? I get a little yeah. dirty sometimes. And you know what I like about crabs? When people are eating crabs, they're on their phone. Mm. They're talking. You're actually having conversation. Yeah, that's right. It's a cool conversation. You're mm-hmm. not. You're not. You don't want to get your phone crabby. Probably have a, an extra beer or two though. It's a little salty. But... Right. Right. And it's it's great. It's great. Maybe everybody do a podcast <laughs> at a crab. You know, everybody needs <laughs> eating crabs talking. That'd be kind of fun. Um, snowballs or ice cream? Ice cream. Uh, you're that's not a I, that's oh, an unpopular oh. opinion in Baltimore. Oh. I know. <laughs> I'm not a snow. My my daughter, my wife loves snowballs. <laughs> I, it's not my thing. All right, maybe with ch- some marshmallow on top. Okay, we can do that. All right, for chicken wings, flats or drums? Drums. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. Okay. All right. All right. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Um, and it's, it's relationships matter and it goes to what we've been talking about all day right like that it they really matter and what do you want people to walk away when they when they listen to this episode what do you want them to take away from this episode you and i was hanging out because i want to do a part two i want to do a part two with this but okay closer later in the year um but, go ahead. i i want people to know that um i care about them and that uh if i can if i can be there for somebody if i can make somebody's life a little bit better um, I want to do that. And so whether, especially if you're a resident of Baltimore County, but even if you're not, um, let me, let the folks around me know what and how we can, we can help make your life better. One more question. Fireworks. Fourth of July? Oh, absolutely. All right. That's all I mean. Absolutely. All right. People are, people are going to try asking that question to fireworks. <laughs> Thank you. Baltimore County Thank you. Oh, Pleasure. Thank you coming in. Love, peace, and morale, folks.
Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.